as she crossed the remaining distance to her mount. Indeed, she purred. I do like my English suitors far better. Cecil could hear the counsellors grumbling discreetly at the sight of Robert Dudley. This arrogant nobleman's outrageous pursuit of the Queen, and her even more scandalous acceptance of that pursuit, were creating an unwholesome climate that imperiled Elizabeth's chances of marrying honourably here or abroad. For Dudley, believed by many to be the Queen's lover, was a married man. Cecil pushed out of his mind the thought that Elizabeth's wanton behaviour was her way of ensuring that she would never have to marry, but could instead keep a series of lovers throughout her reign. Worse, that the Queen might be showing a streak of her mother's nature. The Berlin blood was tainted with perversity. As it was, everyone— from Elizabeth's royal advisers, who supplied her with endless choices for matrimony, to her childhood mistress, Cat Ashley, who begged the Queen to come to her senses, to her loyal subjects, who petitioned her daily, was demanding that for her honour's sake and the welfare of the kingdom she marry and relinquish the reins of government to her lawful husband. Elizabeth approached Dudley, who, rising from a deep bow, stood straight and manly, his strong features and clear-eyed expression forcing even Cecil to admit the horsemaster was a fine figure of noble virility. Dudley locked his gaze on the Queen's. With no thought to the disapproving stares of her counsellors, Elizabeth reached up and with careless intimacy caressed Dudley's cheek, drawing her long white fingers down his face, slowly tracing the sharp line of his jaw and chin, ending with a tiny tickle in the hollow of his throat. "'How does my great stallion?' she asked, suppressing a smile. Perhaps the outraged sniffs and sharp intake of breath from behind prompted her to slap the chestnut steed's massive flank with a resounding thump, affording her stunned counsellors the distant but grateful possibility that the Queen's remark was not the grossly vulgar one they suspected.' She turned to Cecil and bestowed on her advisers a warm, playful smile. My lords Clinton, Arundel and North, I do greatly appreciate your clement advisements and take them to heart. She allowed Robert Dudley to boost her onto the horse and sat tall and regal in the saddle looking down upon the men. My choice of husband and king is one not lightly made, requiring much reflection so you will forgive a poor, weak woman's hesitancy to commit. But I do promise this. When the decision is made, you will indeed be the first to know. Good day, gentlemen. With a swift kick, her horse was off. Dudley, inclining a mockingly respectful head to the counsellors, leapt upon his own horse and sped off after the Queen, who had already attained a full gallop. Cecil and the other chagrined advisers turned, and without meeting each other's eyes, began a slow and troubled walk back to the royal palace. It was late in the afternoon when the first sunshine pierced the overcast, falling through the cottage window in a golden swath across Elizabeth's pearl-white and naked breasts. Dudley, reclining close beside her, propped upon an elbow, traced a lazy path around the small, dove-soft mounds with a rough-skinned but gentle hand. He grazed the rosy nipple 
and it moved beneath his touch. An unexpected sigh escaped the mouth whose painted lips had by now been kissed clean. Her eyes fluttered behind the lids and opened slowly. Elizabeth and Dudley had had a hard ride through green April fields and come at last to the Royal Hunting Lodge, a rough and tiny timbered house at the edge of Duncton Wood. The pair had entered laughing, breathless from their exertions, but with the blood racing in every extremity, and had fallen into passionate embraces and kisses, and, as had been progressing in the months preceding, to several intimacies. "'You take some liberties with your queen, my love,' Elizabeth murmured with just a trace of sharpness. Measuring his words and finding room for boldness, Dudley replied, "'I mean to take more, your majesty.' Her protracted and steady gaze was surely meant to cause hesitation.